Every time you read the Bible, do you realize what a gift that is? Or when you meet with other believers, are you thankful? Or when you listen to Christian music? A gospel worker named Dr. Barhane lived in Eritrea, where all those activities are illegal. He says the government of Eritrea will sometimes make citizens sign a statement that says, I will never meet with other Christians. I will never read the Bible. I will never pray. I will never share the gospel. And I will never listen to gospel song. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're going to talk about a country today that probably many of you wouldn't be able to find on a map, even if I told you it was in Africa. When I say Eritrea, most of you maybe scratch your heads and say, is that even a country or, or where is that? So we have a, a guest who is from Eritrea. He is from that great country on the northeast part of Africa, uh, near Ethiopia. And uh, it's a country that many of us couldn't find on a map. It's also a country where almost a thousand of our brothers and sisters are currently in prison because of their Christian faith. None of them has been formally charged with a crime. None of them has had a trial or been given a lawyer. They simply are arrested and disappear into the prison system of Eritrea. Dr. Burhani is with us. He is an Eritrean Christian. He is a former prisoner for Christ in Eritrea. Uh, Dr. Burhani, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me. Most of us don't know much about Eritrea. Why is the government so opposed to the church? Eritrea came into existence, the new government, in 1993. And before that, our president was a leader of the rebel group, and it was very strong Marxist. And in fact, our president was in China under Mao, so he was indoctrinated by these Mao ideas. So he was trying to do the same like what Mao did in Ethiopia in the 60s and the 70s. So that's what the main reason. So his background is is the communist ideology of there is no God. We want to control the people. We want to control religion. You yourself experienced that firsthand, be, being arrested for your faith and being sent to prison. Uh, tell us a little bit of, of your story. So at that time I was a new believer, but still I believe that my future is on God's hand. So I wanted to use the opportunity to share God's love to the prison guards, to the fellow prisoners, to the inmates. And God opened this opportunity. So every day uh, I was clapping my hands and prisoners would come forward and I share from the gospel. And sometimes some of the prisoners would stay to ask more questions and ask for prayer. So I did it for 11 months until I was released. How did that affect your faith? Uh, the fact that you were in prison, you saw God working through you, how did that encourage you or, or grow your faith? 
Yeah, when you are in prison, what you see is hatred. You know, everybody screams at you. The prisoners fight each other, and the prison guards are not nice to you. But you can keep this inner peace. It's because of Jesus, and you wanted to share that peace to the guards and to the prisoners. And sometimes you see people be being touched by that, and they want to hear more about it. And they start to appreciate, you know, your your faith. So this encouraged me to do more and more. Some people even uh, were asking and were praying, and were accepting, inviting Jesus Christ uh, to their heart. And when you are in this prison, it's not like prison uh, in the West. Most people were not sentenced. Most of the people were never charged. Just they keep you there, and one day they. Call five, six, sometimes twenty people, and execute them. So nobody knows when he is or she is going to be executed. And I remember one night, two guys came to my bedside and borrowed my Bible, and they read together and prayed. The next morning, one of the guys were executed. So when you see those people being prepared, you know, to to face eternity. You appreciate that you, me being there was the, that was the purpose of God. So a lot of people prayed with me just before they die. So that's really um, a good opportunity. Did you ever feel discouraged? Did you ever feel like God had had forgotten you? There are times that you feel God has forgotten you, uh, especially when you see twenty, thirty people taken from you, your clothes. You know, you become family in the prison. You eat together, you laugh together, and suddenly the prison guard comes with a list of names, and just you wait. You might be one of them, but you are not, but your friends were part of that group. And you feel bad feeling, but you always, the scripture encouraged me. I remember one day they took 46 people in one day, and... I was a bit disturbed. Then I, when I look into my into the scripture, I was scripture from the book of Psalms. Says, "Though I walk through the valleys of death, you are with me." So I felt this is the valleys of death. I shared with the with the prisoners. I told them that's the place where we are, but it's not that all. God is with us. So a lot of people were converted. Uh, and you can see uh, the power of the scripture for that dark time, dark day. Did they allow you to keep your Bible, or did you have to hide it, or how do, how was that? I, ha- I had to hide it. I had to smuggle Bible. So sometimes, you know, there is always search. They search and get uh, take my Bible, but I have to smuggle again. In eleven months, I think I smuggled three times. So it was three times was taken my Bible. One of the things that, that you said earlier today, you said that they separate out the Christians from the other prisoners. Uh, why is that? Uh, because wherever they are in the prison, they always share the gospel. And we hear a lot of people get converted, even from Muslim background. So the authors didn't like that. So there are a certain group of people, especially the ones who are free to share the, the, the gospel. You know, they, they built the, a new uh, prison for that purpose, only to host Christians. 
is in a remote place. There is no transportation, so they will not have any visitor, and they will have have the comfort, you know, of sharing the gospel to others. So they built a completely separate prison for Christians. Yeah. So that they wouldn't share the gospel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's very sad, but at the same time, it's encouraging to know that. Uh, even in prison, they are being a witness for Christ, and they are continuing to share. Yeah, there's more freedom of worship inside the prison than outside. Because once you are there, you are, you are there. You don't. You are not uh, scared of prison, man. So people feel free to worship inside the prison than outside the prison. What about the the Christians that are outside the prison? What what kinds of changes have they made because of the frequent arrests because of the security danger? They became too secretive, so mainly they witness one-to-one. So, you know, uh, people always reject the gospel when they are in groups, but when you uh, when you single them out, they would be more, uh, what you call, they, they accept more the gospel. Uh, so when in sharing the gospel, they do it one-to-one. And when conducting Bible study, they they have uh, the strict rules, you know, this confidentiality. They meet in secret places. They change, you know, from one place to another place. So they become wiser and more stricter. So that's why we have less uh, prisoners these years than it used to be because uh, during the first few years, people were always open and they couldn't uh, tolerate or they couldn't cope with the new government's crackdown, but now after uh, it's almost 12 years, they are, they are become more wiser and they use all the wisdom to, to hide from the security forces. So are there churches that are that are functioning? Are they meeting in homes? Are they just, how, how does it work to be a Christian in Eritrea? We have only home church. So there are home leaders and in fact, we have we probably we have more Christians today than uh, ten years ago because there's a multiplication of this church, and a lot of people, even from the families of the authorities, the wives of the uh, of the people who are persecuting, are coming to faith. So we have this opportunity. So people are using that. So the church churches are growing. So how many how many Christians could gather together in in one place at one time before it was too many before it was too dangerous? I think they could meet up to ten, twelve. Okay. But sometimes they become naughty. You know, <laughs> last year one guy he gathered one hundred and eighty people in his house, and the security came and arrested him <laughs> and all the group. A lot of them were non-believers, just came to listen to, to hear the gospel, and they were released straight away because when they were told to sign, they signed. You know, because you have to renounce your faith in order to be released. So these newcomers, it was not an issue you know, signing, but 90 of them are still in prison. So when the Christians are arrested, if a church meeting is raided, they are given a document to sign that says... I won't be a Christian anymore, or I won't meet together, or what What uh, are they asked he, to sign? He, sometimes they ask one question, or three questions, or four questions, or five. In, for example, one question says, I will never meet with other Christians. I will never read the Bible. I will never pray. I will never share the gospel. 
and I will never listen to gospel song. So this is one of the... Another one, it says, I will never meet, or I will never... Uh, that's the only one. That is the easiest uh, part. So, so even listening to a Christian song could get you arrested in Eritrea. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. Uh, well, people do now. You know, some people say, if you go to the tea shops or coffee shops, just people, you know, uh, do it. And I think the government is now tired of arresting people mm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> How does the government treat the Muslims? Because there are Muslims in Eritrea, too. The government obviously doesn't like any religion, really, because they want to control the people. So is there persecution of Muslims also? It's not as bad to Christians. Uh, for example, in the early uh, 1990s, there was this Islamic movement uh, from Sudan. So the government started to crack down on all this Islam Islamist cell groups because they were plotting to overthrow the government. In fact, people say in 1996, Bin Laden was on in Eritrea. He came from Sudan. So, oh. so there, there was some Islamist movement in the mid-90s. Still, the government is fine with moderate Muslims. And although there is also, uh, uh, he tries to control them, but at least they are allowed to build mosques and they are allowed to worship freely. So they are not being targeted for being Muslims or for for praying. Mm -hmm. But they are being targeted if they are uh, one of the extremists try to overthrow the, mm. the president. Because the president so. How do you personally deal with the challenge of uh, I, I know your phone rings and, and you talk to Christians in Eritrea, you hear about the arrests, you hear about the beatings, you hear about the torture. How do you deal with that? How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, sometimes I really struggle to cope with uh, all this news, especially when I heard someone you know, murdered because of his face or someone was badly tortured. And sometimes they take all the families with children, including the infants, and they leave them in prison for in a very poor situation. I used to have sometimes nightmare. The only thing I it comforted me was also the positive results that comes out of that. When they share the gospel and when people get converted, and they still feel that there is the power of God. Or with them, but it's very difficult to dealing with this, with these issues. Well, especially, I'm in a very comfortable place now, in London. So, are there particular scriptures that you draw strength from, or particular songs, or just how do you how do you recharge your battery to to do another day dealing with pain and suffering? Yeah, whenever I read the scripture, it's full of persecution in the, in the scripture. You know. In fact, Paul says, anyone who wants to live according to the will of God will be persecuted. And I know these people have choices. If they want, they can avoid persecution. And it's their choice. And it's a good choice. So that's also something that comforts me. Persecution doesn't come to us by surprise. It's a situation that we have to be prepared. When I became a Christian, I had this mentality you know, to suffer. I always was ready. I always live a very 
I, my life because I don't want to just to say that I uh, I will be established in here. I never was been established anywhere because I knew uh, one day I'm going to be taken. I'm going to be arrested. So you know, if you prepare ahead of time, uh, when it comes to you, you, you just start to praise God because it is God who who is in control. And how do you prepare? Uh, because I think most Americans, we don't even think about the possibility that we could suffer for our faith. I think so. we, have to, we have to read the scripture as it is. Sometimes we select some, uh, uh, some scriptures that deals with blessings, and we just want to meditate on them. But we have to balance it. Of course, God is the God who blesses us. But sometimes also he let us go through suffering in order to share in his suffering. We How do we understand the cross unless we suffer? We don't bring suffering. Suffering is not a, a pleasant thing. Nobody wants to, we always, you know, it's our natural instinct to flee from suffering. But sometimes there is a place where we cannot flee. So we have to embrace it. And at that time, God gives us grace to understand what real suffering means. And out of that suffering, we can share life, the life of Jesus. We can share the love of Jesus. People know that we love them when they see us, you know, being strong during the time of suffering. In the prison, when they were executing people, when they look at me, I was filled with the peace of Christ. They wanted to know more about him. We want this Jesus because uh, they knew that it was real. So suffering sometimes brings Jesus closer to our heart. And I think that's a lesson you don't understand until you suffer. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, I can hear you say it, but until I experience it, it doesn't really take a hold. Yeah, I, I never uh, thought it would be a blessing to me. When I was a Christian, I was always avoided, uh, you know, suffering. But I found myself in that situation, and God gives grace for that particular time. So you don't understand when people pass through the martyrdom what they feel on that particular time, but the Holy Spirit gives them grace, and we don't understand what sort of joy they would have inside. Your work now is is to be a voice for Eritrean Christians. Can you talk a little bit about your work and your organization and what you do? Yeah, about 10 years ago, I co-founded an organization. We called it Release Eritrea. And this was in response to the persecution that was happening in Eritrea. We thought we could do at least three things. One is we could let the world know what's happening in Eritrea. Secondly, we could support the Christians, you know, financially and with some material help. Thirdly, we could m mobilize prayer. Based on that, we started this organization, and so far we are helping all these prisoners' families. And also we do some work with refugees, because some Christians are now left Eritrea and they're living in Ethiopia in exile. Uh, it's estimated up to 100,000 Eritreans are now currently in, in Ethiopia and hundreds of thousands in Sudan, in Egypt, 
in Israel. So all these people need our support. So we have uh, different centers now. We have a safe home, a safe house in Egypt, three safe houses. When people get kidnapped by the Bedouin in the Sinai, sometimes when they flee from their kidnappers, so they we get them and house them in our safe house. And after they are released from prison also in Egypt, we send them to our safe house. In Israel, we do mainly pastoral care because when people pass across the Sinai, especially most of the women have, you know, experienced all this uh, appalling, you know, uh, situation like rape and torture. So we have this women's center that we, we, we conduct, you know, that's pastoral care counseling. Uh, and we do a lot of physical assistance also. As we close, I want to, we always want people to pray. Uh, and so as our listeners are praying for the country of Eritrea, uh, how can they pray? How should they pray? First, we, we need to, to pray for a change in the government because that's the main source for all these uh, atrocities, you know, for all this imprisonment and been exiled, uh, so pray for the government for change. We good government is from God, so we want a good democratic government that allows us for freedom of worship. But pray also for the prisoners. Now it has been long, over ten years, and they I, I can understand they will miss their wives, their children. Um, so we can imagine how uh, what sort of things have we you know, how we've done the past 10 years. But these people haven't done anything just in prison. So we need to pray for them for their release and also for strength, for for health. And also we need to pray for, for, for the families. They are suffering from loneliness. And most of these people are left without any support because the husbands are the main breadwinners in Eritrea, uh, and we can also understand it's tough for the children and for the wives, so also pray for the families. Dr. Burhani, thank you for your testimony, thank you for being a voice for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea, and thank you for being with us today. Okay, thank you very much. That's our brother, Dr. Brahane, telling us how we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea. Would you do that this week? Will you pray for Christians in Eritrea? I had the privilege of visiting Eritrea several years ago and meeting with some of the believers there. And I got to tell you, a part of that country is still in my heart. So please, this week, pray for Christians in the nation of Eritrea. The Voice of the Martyrs wants to help you connect with believers that need your prayer and your encouragement. One of the ways that we do that is through a website called PrisonerAlert.com. When you go to Prisoner Alert, you can read specific stories about those who have been imprisoned for their faith in Christ. Most of the time you can see their picture. You can really get a sense of who you're praying for. Right now, there are five prisoners listed on PrisonerAlert.com from the nation of Eritrea, and there are many others from around the world as well. 
So I hope that you'll take some time, maybe with your family, maybe with your Sunday school class, and get to know some of these prisoners. The other way that you can get involved through PrisonAlert.com is to write letters to them and to write letters on their behalf to government leaders in their country. So if you go to PrisonAlert.com and select one of the prisoners and then click on the button that says write a letter, it will walk you through the process of writing a letter to that person. Again, that website is PrisonAlert.com. Our guest next week is going to be Carl Moeller. He has visited many persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, like two young men who were beaten and thrown off a bridge. Carl says that when they came to, they got up and walked right back into the village that they had just been beaten in and continued to share the gospel. Carl's going to be talking about some of the lessons that he learned from persecuted Christians. You won't want to miss it, so join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.